do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking thing sucks. Hello, hello. Welcome to Open Wide for some soccer. My name is Seth Bertelny. Alongside me, Pablo Mauer, Thomas Floyd. As usual, we have a very special episode tonight because we're going to get a chance to talk about what we all got into soccer journalism for, and that is complicated legal proceedings. Yeah, <clears throat> this is a sizzling start to the 2015 MLS campaign. So excited. Yeah. So yeah. excited. Uh, we do have a guest tonight who we will bring in shortly. Uh, I would be remiss, though, if I didn't give acclaimed movie film critic Thomas Floyd a chance to provide his quick opinion on last night's Academy Awards. Uh, first of all, Thomas Birdman, your thoughts on that as Best Picture and uh, Best Director? Uh, best Director I can see because it, ex- it was an extremely complicated film on a technical level with the make the entire movie look like it was done in one shot gimmick. Uh, that's that's uh, pretty difficult to do and yeah, I want a deserved cinematography Oscar as well, but storyline-wise, uh, I think had some maybe some depth issues that made me think something like Boyhood would have been a better Best Picture winner. Uh, fun fact, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, his brother, Hector, is the director of the Mexican national team. Yeah, the Mexican national team was uh, tweeting all about the Oscars last night, yeah, right? Yeah, uh-huh. they, were, they were very uh, happy for him. And it's two... There's a, two there's, there's a diving joke in here somewhere, but I, I don't know. There's all, it's also two straight Best Director wins for Mexico. Yeah, Alfonso Cuaron last year for Gravity. So you could say Dos Cero for Mexico. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Pablo just wants to talk about playing in the Baltimore Blast media game. No, I don't. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I can't imagine that was fun for the audience. But I, uh, the... Well, the weird thing was, uh, so Charles Bohm and I played in the media game of the Baltimore Blast indoor soccer uh, you know, it's an indoor soccer team. The MISL. It's I actually MASL now. Oh, is it? Major okay. Arena Soccer League. Interesting. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, it was really awkward because we didn't realize it was actually a television versus radio thing. And we were the only two non-TV oh. and radio people. You're, also, a, pod- you're a podcasting personality. They introduced both of us, you know, like, now taking the field. DC United beat writer Pablo Mauer, and there was like a, I think maybe like three people applauded. <laughs> you know, so, did you did you come out through the blast yeah. thing? No, 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 no. But we did run out of the. I definitely did like a lot of fist pumping, and uh, awesome. I tried to convince Charles that we should trade jerseys after the game, just like both take our shirts off <laughs> on the playing field. But it didn't work. A- anyways, anyways, we're moving on to more right. important things. Uh, CBA talk. CBA talk. Yes. Uh, joining us on the line is ESPN's Jeff Carlisle, who's been on top of this CBA issue throughout. And I just want to point out, he mistakenly thought that we were taping tonight at 8 a.m. Eastern, and Jeff is in California, so I got a DM from Jeff at 5 a.m. saying he was ready to go. Uh, Jeff, thank you for waking up so early for Open Wide for some soccer. Hey, it all worked out. I got my sorry ass out of bed, so uh, <laughs> I had some work to do, so it all worked out. I think it's official. Jeff Carlisle cares more about this podcast than we do. <laughs> it's, it's official. Um, yeah, so Jeff has been writing quite extensively about what's going on with the CBA. We're kind of getting down into crunch time now to the point where what each side is saying in public is less important and what they're actually doing in their meetings is going to determine whether we have ourselves a season that starts on time. Um, So I I thought that I would start, Jeff, with kind of a a broad question. Uh, What, in your opinion, is each side trying to achieve in these talks? Well, I I think the players are are trying to get a couple of things. Uh, you know, they want more money, which is pretty standard fare for, for any CBA negotiation. And uh, they want more freedom of movement. They want free agency. And, um, you know, on the first issue, you know, I, I think 
you know, some folks that I've talked to on the league side, you know, freely admit that, you know, they're going to have to pay the players more uh, than they did in the, you know, in the past, you know, under past agreements. And, uh, you know, there seems to be a willingness to, to try to find a middle ground in terms of minimum salaries and, and the overall amount of the salary cap. But uh, free agency is something that the league is just absolutely dead set against. I mean, the league wants to maintain the status quo in terms of, you know, how players move about the league. You know, I, I can remember, you know, back in December, I was talking to Todd Dunavant. Uh, he's, he's one of the members of the executive board of the union. And he, he had said that basically the, the league's offer that, that came back from, from the, the union's initial offer, basically that, that's all it did was maintain the status quo in terms of player movement, in terms of, free, you know, there was no mention of free agency uh, in their eyes, you know, you know, in that offer. So uh, I, I think, you know, to summarize, I think the league is trying, knows they're going to have to pay more money, but they, they want to, you know, kind of hold the line and everything else. And, uh, you know, the players are, will take that money, but the, really the, the, the nut issue is free agency. And, and they have said repeatedly that they're prepared to go to the wall and go on strike for that. So now, I mean, people can disagree about how serious a threat that is, but, you know, I haven't just talked to players. I've talked to agents. I've talked to to some some executives just involved in soccer, and and everyone seems to be saying, you know, hey, the, the players are serious this time. That uh, you know, their threat to go on strike is very real. So, uh, real quick, obviously, if you guys want to get a call in for Jeff, three four seven seven five six six two seven six. You can also hit us up on Twitter at owfss with your questions, um, Jeff. In, in relation to free agency, I guess. Um, I kind of wonder, you know, from the league's perspective, what, you know, the the league obviously already has a salary cap, which I guess is kind of soft. I mean, why, why are they so sort of dead set against free agency? It seems like the vast majority of players, you know, because of the salary cap, it, it wouldn't really have that much of an effect on them. I guess it, 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 you see where I'm coming from. Absolutely. And I mean, that's a question that I've asked a couple times and, you know, I, I've been told that, in order to have cost certainty, uh, in order to maintain the cost certainty that, that new owners entering the league were promised, there cannot be free agency. Uh, also, I've also been, been told that the league needs to have one voice when it speaks uh, on the international market in terms of acquiring players. Uh, you know, the bottom line is they, they don't want teams bidding against one another uh for players that are already in the league. I mean, obviously we've seen that to a degree with designated players. You know, we saw it with Michael Bradley a little bit. Uh, you know, there are three or four teams that were involved in that. You know, we even saw it with Josie Altidore. There were three teams mentioned as being interested before Toronto kind of blew everybody away. Uh, actually, and they blew everybody away in the Michael Bradley situation as well. I think another aspect to this, though, is is how everything relates to single entity. Um, you know, the... MLS was a league that was kind of reverse engineered in order, in part, in order to survive an antitrust suit. And, you know, in the early 2000s, they did survive an antitrust suit. Uh, but mostly that was on the grounds that, you know, the courts ruled that the players had other playing options besides MLS. There was other leagues in the United States. They could go abroad. They could play indoors. Uh, but, you know, the the Court of Appeals ruled that the league is actually a hybrid. It's kind of a, a little bit single entity, and it's a little bit like every other uh, sports league in the in the in the United or actually in North America. And the reason this is relevant is that basically what I've been told is that if the league gives in on free agency, it's going to look less like a single entity and more like every other sports league. Which down the road, not not today, not tomorrow, but down the road, could leave it vulnerable to another antitrust suit. So. Uh, I think there's a strong impulse on the on that part of the league to to preserve single entity and not create any vulnerabilities that would force them to change that structure down the road. And uh, I know that was a lot of legalese that I asked <laughs> there, so I apologize for that. That's that's what we've come to now, Jeff. I mean, that's that's what we all have to sort of talk about. It's not so much formations and tactics, but it's antitrust suits. So here we are. Yeah, there we go. And I have another. You know, it's a, a simple question that I'm sure has a complicated answer, and it's who has more to lose here, the league or the players? You, you look at the league in particular, they have two expansion franchises launching and, and a strike 
could be harmful to Orlando City and NYCFC as they try to to build those fan bases, but also the players. A lot of these guys are are on very uh, minimal uh, salaries, and even a, a brief strike could be problematic. Uh, from your perspective, who do you think has more to lose here? I think it's the players. Um, you know, it came out today. You know, Ted Filipakos, who's a, a agent and college professor, uh, tweeted out that you know some financial details of, of basically the assets of, of the MLS Players Union, and they only have about only they only have about five and a half to six million dollars in the bank. He estimates, and so that, that's not the biggest strike fund you know in the world. And I, so I think the players have a little bit more to lose. I think MLS as a league can survive a strike financially a lot more easily than than the players can um that's not to say the league doesn't have anything to lose you know certainly an awful lot of momentum being created uh new like you said new teams entering the league you know there's a lot of excitement around nycfc and in orlando uh that's because they're new teams but you know they've got some exciting players on the rosters as well but um you know i really do feel like uh the players have the most to lose in this and I think it's it's a huge risk that they're taking, but one that I think they're going into with their eyes open and one they're prepared to make. All right. Um, let's take a call real quick. We've got uh, someone on the line. 516, you're on Open Wire for some soccer. How can we help you? Um, Jeff, I just wanted to know if there would be a player strike, would there be a chance that players would be able to go play elsewhere? Uh, that is a good question. Um I think practically speaking, that would be pretty difficult. Um, Obviously, these teams are in training camp. I I do think that if there is a strike, I I think it's going to be brief. I don't think the the players have the resources uh, to to be at this for a super long time. Um, And for that reason, I just think practically speaking, uh, that that wouldn't be an option. But um, so, yeah, I mean, that's really the best way that I can answer that at the moment. All right. Uh, so, Jeff, I think that the main issue and what this strike is going to come down to is free agency. I think the league is, you know, based on what you have written, they're they're willing to bend on salary cap and, and increasing the the salaries a little bit. But what I'm thinking in terms of a salary, uh, in terms of free agency, sorry, is is there any sort of a middle ground? And by that, I mean is is the is the players' union going to be willing to accept some form of free agency, for example, players who've been in the league a certain amount of time, or is this just a very black and white issue where we're going to come out of this either with free agency or with no free agency? Well, I I think from the player's side, you know, the things that I've been hearing is there's a lot more flexibility, you know, in terms of what they're, they're willing to, to accept. Um, you know, from the very beginning, you know, there was talk of either, you know, tying free agency to, to years of service in the league or the number of appearances that a particular player has made. And, you know, once you get into that conversation, you know, there can be some back and forth. But, you know, what concerns me and why I think there's a, a better than 50-50 chance that there's going to be a work stoppage is MLS is entertaining absolutely no no chance. They're, they're not even willing to discuss the, the possibility that there's going to be free agency. I, again, I think, again, their concern is that that's going to open the door and to possibly damage the the structure that the league, you know, has been built upon. So, you know, everything that I've heard from the league is just no, 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 absolutely not. You know, it's, it's not any room to negotiate. And then that's what makes me a little, again, a little fearful that there's going to be a work stoppage. I, I think you're right. I think it is a black and white issue. And, uh, you know, obviously the mediators are in there. Uh, I found out over the weekend, actually, that the mediators have only been involved in one kind of joint bargaining session. You know, they spent a lot of time talking to each side individually. But I think this week is, is one where it's, they're actually going to be in the room a lot more often. So the hope is that, you know, they can, you know, talk each side kind of away from their entrenched positions and, and maybe find a middle ground here. But I'm, I'm not optimistic that a middle ground can be found on free agency. Yeah, I will say I've also had conversations with players and a conversation with Bobby Boswell a couple of weeks ago where he specifically said we're not asking for, you know, we, we're open to, to talking about some sort of form of free agency. You know, it doesn't have to be 
obviously 100%, you know, unrestricted kind of thing. So, um, obviously from the player's perspective, that's, uh, that's an option. So, uh, let me ask you something. There's a lot of talk about, um, you know, we've read, I think Brian, Brian Strauss had a piece with Robbie Keane where he said he's sort of with the, the union guys. And I know here in DC, um, Fabiana Spindola also sort of put it out there that he was with them, but there's been chatter recently about, um, some of the other, I guess, you know, a couple of unnamed foreign players in the league, uh, there's, you know, rumblings that, that they're, you know, not necessarily, I guess, sort of quote unquote down for the cause. Um, you know, do you see that being an issue? I mean, obviously they, they make more here than, than back, you know, in the, in the countries they've come from. You know, I have not heard that. I mean, I've heard that as kind of a, you know, kind of a counter argument, you know, if you're taking the league side on things, um, you know, I mean, I, so I guess I've heard rumblings from that standpoint, but in terms of, you know, talking to actual players and, and also talking to agents, uh, you know, I, I have not been able to detect any example of, of guys beginning to waver in terms of their dedication to the union and the union cause. Um, but, you know, keep in mind, there's 600 players, or you know, give or take. And, you know, this is a, a majority, you know, type system. So, I mean, even, you know, even if, if you know, say, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 guys were, were to peel off and not want to, to participate in any kind of work stoppage. I mean, I still think, you know, you've got the vast majority of the union membership, you know, behind this, you know, strategy of a strike, if it comes to that. So, um, you know, I, I've heard some rumblings, you know, like you said, I've heard some rumblings of that, but, but certainly nothing from any of the players or any of the agents that I've talked to. So Jeff, um, I got a kind of a quick follow up here. It's it's unrelated, but it's a question that a lot of our listeners have been asking, and we were sort of batting around different ideas uh, as well. Do you have any idea how this would affect CCL play? I mean, obviously, you've got, for example, one bracket where there's the potential of two MLS teams meeting each other in the semifinals, you know, uh, Montreal and D.C. Is it a situation where you think the teams would forfeit? I know, as of right now, they've been operating sort of on a handshake agreement, um, you know, that they're kind of preseason games. But, you know, if, if the strike actually, strike actually starts, I mean, is that – have you heard anything as to what would happen with those matches? I have not. Um, again, you know, on the league side, I, I think they're – you know, they're, they're still pretty optimistic that a, that a deal is going to get done. Um, you know, I, I think it's more – it's kind of a across that bridge when we get to it uh, type of situation. But, um, you know, forfeiting, I think that would be a bad look. Uh, you know – you, you talked about a handshake agreement. I, I, I've got to believe that, you know, that particular competition would go forward. Uh, and I, I still think, you know, with a regular strike, you know, enough, you know, damage could be done. But I, I think to forfeit games, I, I think, you know, you know, dare I say, it, it's almost, I think the union would be ceding some some of the moral high ground if they took that route. And uh, another thing I wanted to ask about was. You know, Jurgen Klinsmann and MLS, they, they kind of have been linked together in terms of, you know, kind of having a seeking a unified vision for how U.S. soccer can go forward and how those two parties, U.S. soccer and MLS, can help each other. Kind of with that in mind, does Klinsmann and do U.S. soccer have any sway in this fight, particularly with a Gold Cup coming up? I, I imagine. If I'm Jurgen Klinsmann, I'm not exactly thrilled with the idea of there potentially being a work stoppage where his national team players are, are inactive for any sort of a long stretch. I, I can't imagine that that they have that the USSF has any sway at all. I mean, this is again, this is something that the players are are determined to do, and I, I think their you know their their goals are here are long term goals. I mean, they're thinking about you know how players are going to be treated years and years down the road. Um, I, I don't think uh, the near-term concern of, a, of a preparing for a Gold Cup is uh, is on their minds at the moment. Let's do a, a Twitter question here. We got one from uh, Ben Smith who's asking how a lockout would affect MLS players loaned to the USL or uh, the, MS, the MLS USL teams like LA2 or Timbers2. Uh. I mean, it would. That's a that's a that's a good one. Well, it wouldn't be a lockout, first of all. I mean, it would. There's there's been no talk of, of MLS locking out the players. Right. I mean, so let me let me just make that clear off the bat. Um, 
you know, that's, you know, that's a complicated one. I mean, it's, you know, I could see how that, that, that particular deal might, might supersede, uh, you know, what they, you know, in terms of what they do with their MLS clubs. But, uh, I mean, these are, these are great questions and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually not sure how that would, that particular uh, thing would shake out, but, I mean, I, I guess ultimately it would depend on where that particular player was contracted. If they were, if they're still contracted by an MLS club, uh, I, I would think that they would have to honor the picket line and not play. Jeff, uh, I was told that you know everything, so this is a, <laughs> a little disappointing to me. I think Seth actually mentioned that you'd spoken individually to all 600 MLS players. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I guess not. You know. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the court of public opinion. First of all. It seems like in a situation like this, when you're talking about guys making forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, that most people are going to side with them and see where they are coming from a lot more than maybe even other American sports that we've seen go on strike, where the majority of these guys are making millions or at least the high six figures. Is this something that, in your sense, the league? is cognizant of or cares about at all the fact that they might be seen if there's a strike as kind of the villain in this situation i don't i don't think the league is concerned about this at all (laughs) i think they're concerned about what kind of deal that they're going to get um you know I, i talked to a league source over the weekend and and they are they are just adamant that they are not going to sign a deal that it, they think is going to jeopardize the growth of the league. I, I mean, I will say that I don't think MLS has done a particularly good job of, you know, articulating their reasons for why they're so opposed to free agency. I mean, you know, they've, you know, they've gone the, the cost certainty route and, uh, you know, they, they've talked about speaking with one voice in the international market, but I, I, I don't, you know, in a salary cap league, you know, I still, don't see how you know free agency is this Armageddon that is, is suddenly going to destroy things. Um, but that said, I still think MLS holds all the cards. But again, I, again, I don't, I don't think MLS is concerned about the court of public opinion. I think they're only concerned about getting the best deal that they can get. All right, Jeff Carlisle, thank you very much for coming on at 5 a.m. And then <laughs> thank you once again for coming on at 5 p.m. your time. Uh, We appreciate the insight, and uh, we hope we will chat with you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Yeah. The the question about – it really is sort of, to me, interesting. I mean, I don't see how anybody can sort of objectively look at the situation and not feel for the players a little bit more than the league. I mean, the players obviously hold the – populist stance you have guys who play for dc united who make 35 38 whatever thousand dollars a year and anybody who's tried to live in the district of columbia on that kind of money knows it's damn near impossible you know so i don't know i mean it's it's a very very bad look for the league I, i think jeff nailed it in terms of the league not properly articulating the anti free agency rationale that's the thing that really i keep coming back to i don't understand the logic behind a league feeling that internal free agency is going to make salaries become in any way unsustainable when they have a salary cap. Well, I think, I I mean, bear in mind too, that everything, like everything Jeff just told us, for example, from the league's perspective are things that he's heard from people oftentimes on background, you know, so it's not as if the, the, the league is even putting that out there. The league's really not even barely, you know, they're barely saying anything, which is, I mean, I, I, I want to say it's a bad look for them, but I, I guess, honestly, maybe you kind of get the feeling this might just be a big game of chicken. And like Jeff said, you know, the union only has five, six million dollars in its war chest. You know, if you had to put your money on who's going to fold first in the first week or two, obviously you'd think it'd be the players. Yeah, and the league isn't saying anything, and I think it's interesting to contrast that with the number of players that we've seen giving interviews uh, members of the MLS Players Union out there giving interviews, and you get a lot of coverage that is one-sided, and that's all we've heard from is why the players need free agency, how the players are 100% committed to free agency. But we haven't seen, at least I, I haven't seen anything, I don't know about you guys, but have you seen any spokesperson for the league uh, talk, or are they just kind of 
opting to go with the silent route. I mean, I've I've been hitting refresh on MLSsoccer.com for the past hour, and I don't see anything about the CBA. Yeah, that's probably not the place to go for that. <laughs> there, there has been some comment from Garber and some of his representatives, deputy commissioners, or vice presidents. I'm not sure what the titles are, but some of the higher-ups in MLS have spoken, but it's been very limited, and it, it feels like they've been particularly dodging the question of why the free agency and the salary cap league is such a big deal. And that's what I think is problematic, whereas the players are easily accessible and open about their argument and seem very logical and rational about it. And I think that is getting the court of public opinion on their side for what it's worth, which may not be much. Yeah. I think it's practically nothing is the unfortunate thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to get a little bit more into this CONCACAF Champions League scenario because it is a <laughs> very interesting one. Uh, DC United is playing Alajuelense. Alajuelense. Alajuelense from Costa Rica. That's beautiful. Thank you. My, and, mother, my uh, mother would be proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> and we have the Montreal Impact playing Pachuca. Uh, in the other quarterfinal uh, on the same side of the bracket. So the first leg of the semifinal is set for March 17th, uh, which is only about two weeks after the MLS season is set to start, Right. which means that it's highly possible that if there is a strike, that it could still be going on by the time the CONCACAF Champions League semifinals come around. And then the question is, if one or both of these MLS teams get through, how do they reconcile that? Particularly the situation where they both get through is pretty intriguing. They can't both forfeit. So, <laughs> and, and, to, and to provide a little uh, clarification to anyone who is not completely up to date on their CONCACAF Champions League scheduling, the quarterfinal series, two game to, uh, total goals, is all before the MLS season starts. So those matches will go on as scheduled per the handshake agreement Pablo alluded to earlier. It is if the teams advance to the semifinals and it's after the MLS regular season starts and a strike would start, that's where things get problematic. Guys, I don't want to interrupt this. It's really weird for me, though, because uh, Cosmo just tweeted about a high-speed police chase. Yes, I saw that. Oh, really? Did he, did he, I got to go. Did he DM you, or he actually just No, and he just it. tweeted to everybody now. Um, oh, and, and, anyways, sorry, stay, Thomas. Stay on topic. I go guess on. you're no okay. longer special. Uh, yeah. So, realistically speaking, they could just go forward, as Jeff mentioned. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the logistics of that would be, uh, but I guess suppose any team that's still alive, D.C. or Montreal or both, could continue training and only play their Champions League matches. There's also the possibility of uh, if they are playing each other, which, I mean, we're pretty confident Montreal is going to thrash Pachuca. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, and DC will make short work down in uh, Costa Rica. Uh, do they, let's say the strike ends between the first and second leg. Will they both forfeit the first leg and then winner take all in the second leg? Or? Here's a question. If DC United ends up facing Pachuca somehow... Would it be beneficial for them to forfeit the away right. leg? Would, would the would the three nothing automatic loss be favorable as compared to what would actually happen if <laughs> if an MLS team went on the road to Mexico, which, as we know, does not tend to go well? Yeah, I mean, it seems really unlikely, but for fans of crazy chaotic situations, I think you root for Montreal to get through, DC to get through, and then a strike, and then just let's see what happens. Come mid-March. I'm, I'm kind of with Jeff on this. I mean, you have to think that the league would not allow this to happen, right? So these I mean, players, are, are they playing? So they would be playing basically without a contract or? Yeah, I, I mean, think I don't. I, they'd be maybe signed to like a game contract or something like that. I or, mean, I'll say whatever the situation is, as far as I can tell, and I might be misinformed, it would be no different than what's going on now. There is no CBA right yeah, now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, so, I mean, it's would be a thing where maybe they just make another quote-unquote handshake agreement yeah. to do what, this. Whatever arrangement they are currently operating under during preseason presumably would be renewed for well, the purposes of Champions League. So then my question is, I thought I saw some more serious talk that, that, that 
the MLS teams would be forced to forfeit. I think Ivis today was talking yeah, about it, yeah. the forfeit it's, scenario. Yeah, I mean the. I mean, as far as I've seen, there's been no definitive answer, and I, I feel like the forfeit would be plausible. Uh, it, it is tough to imagine the teams continuing to play while the rest of the league is on strike. That would be a very unusual situation, but also it would be a, a terrible look for the league for them to forfeit. Yeah, I think the most intriguing scenario is one that we were discussing before the show, which Thomas has dubbed the Mr. Bird's softball team theory. <laughs> yes. All right. I wanted to float this one out there. As Seth, as Seth mentioned, Mr. Burns softball team theory, Simpsons reference for uh, those of you who weren't alive in the mid-90s. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, uh, if, uh, DC United advances to CONCACAF Champions League semifinals and there's no MLS CBA, there's no salary cap in place, none of the teams are playing, what is to stop Eric Toyer from just putting together a MLS all-star team to compete in CONCACAF Champions League? He or, could, or even more realistically, just a world right eleven. Would, would, would he like Mr. Burns sign Cristiano Ronaldo to be the janitor at RFK Stadium <laughs> or, or something like that? I, I feel like realistically, he could be like, "Hey, Robbie Keane, Kaká, David Villa, you guys aren't doing anything. How about I sign you to a two-game contract for uh, five hundred thousand dollars?" <laughs> here's our new PR. Here's our new PR intern, Robbie Keane. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I really think it would work. Um, the, yeah, get get Daryl Strawberry in there somewhere. <laughs> so who's who's the uh, the Homer Simpson in that scenario? The one who. Uh, no, I guess in the last, well, scores yeah. all the goals and then just gets benched. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe like a Fabian the Spindola is uh, just sitting on the bench. Right. I, yeah. I was I was going towards the to the end of the episode when each member of the team has a separate unfortunate incident which rules them out of the final, except for Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> right. So I think we're we're going a little too far in advance now. Uh, so. Eric Toyer, if you have not thought of this, if there is a strike, please consider this. Yeah, it would be it, highly amusing. Somebody, Three of us are available, by the way. Yeah, we, somebody, we'll pay our own travel to Costa Rica. I don't know. Somebody just tell us if this is if this is plausible, because I'm 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 really intrigued by this. I, I want to see it happen. If if it, if it doesn't happen, we'll we'll play it on FIFA. It might be the best chance that MLS has of finally breaking their CCL hacks. I know, I right? Yeah put together an all-star team that can actually compete with Liga MX teams. <laughs> they, I mean, they might still lose. Right, Trevor yeah. suggests there might be some sort of CONCACAF registration issues, roster issues, but if uh, we know anything about CONCACAF, that's nothing that yeah, who would be, an amount of money can't yeah, fix. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Grease yeah. those wheels a little bit. Yeah. Can we get Chuck Blazer in there somehow? <laughs> uh, the, Chuck, Chuck Blazer could be the Mr. Burns in that scenario. Yeah. Or if uh, DC also could go another route and uh, they could re-sign all the players who got them this far. They're going into the Champions League knockout stage without Connor Shinoski, who scored the game-winning goal in their final group stage game. With, with his neck. Without Samuel Incombe and David Estrada, who both had multiple assists in the Champions League group stage. Without Joe Willis, who stood on his head in uh, one of the games. Did they you guys are... see Joe Willis's uh, new Houston uh, PR photo? I, I did. Oh, no. He's just completely smiling. He's normal. Well, that's... Uh, and he doesn't new... really have any facial hair, either. It just oh, sort of just sort of dawned on me that maybe it wasn't a gimmick. Maybe he was just really unhappy at DC United. <laughs> like, knew he wasn't going to get a starting shot, so, yeah. you know. It was like that picture was taken five seconds after he was told he was being loaned to Richmond this year, yeah. that year. Exactly. Well, it does seem like in Houston he'll have a lot better chance competing with Tyler Derrick for minutes than in DC competing against Bill Hamid. So maybe that's the reason that angry Joe Willis is now just... <laughs> Moderately he looks, unhappy, Joe Willis. He looks pretty happy, actually. Oh. You guys want to? You guys want to actually talk about the CCL game? I mean, DC United is several days away from its first uh, actual meaningful competitive match of 2015. I mean, we don't have to. I'm just putting it out there. It's it's so strange. It's sneaking up on us. We're we're covered in snow here in DC, and the MLS season is kind of sort of about the start yeah that that could actually be a big second leg advantage which is coming up in like nine days i, I don't know if this weather is going to hold out but the lows 
all throughout this week are like in the teens. Yeah, are there any uh players on uh on Alahuense who are not uh suspended who played in Snow Classico? <laughs> yeah, we could we could have a, a part two, really. I mean yeah. a Costa Rican side travels north. I imagine some of those players, those are their only trips to the United States, and they're just like, God, this this place is like uh, Game of Thrones, like just winter year-round. <laughs> oh, Valenze, by the way, yeah, obviously missing a couple of key players for this matchup. Um, suspended for some sort of uh, fracas. I'm told it was a fracas. Fracas. A fracas? Some, some is, that where they, like, fracas. is that where they like try to drill for oil in the ground? No. When I think of the word fracas, I just think of a, like a like a slap fight or something like that. Just... Is it fracas or fracas? Frac, frac, fracas. <laughs> Thomas, Pablo. I'm sorry. I'm distracted by the gestures you just did, which sadly are going to be underappreciated by our podcast audience. <laughs> uh, yeah. Demonstrating your what you think a fracas is. Ala <laughs> Huelense is uh, is missing. Patrick Pemberton, obviously, their starting keeper, backup keeper, obviously. What I mean, where I don't know if that's yeah, really obvious. Yeah, we, that he was we, the backup keeper at the World Cup. We definitely looked that up on Wikipedia before the show, so I don't know if obviously is, I didn't. Uh, Seth told me Patrick <laughs> Patrick Pemberton. He he was their backup keeper at the World Cup. He is five. He's like five nine and one hundred and fifty pounds, and he's a the, World Cup goalkeeper. They call him the Costa Rican Nick Romando. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Romando um, is much bigger than. Him. Yeah, uh, and also uh, Kevin Sancho Ramos, who I'm not going to pretend to even know about, but I did check and. He has started most of their games the past couple of years, so we're going to assume... Pat- Patrick Pemberton sounds like a character on Downton Abbey. <laughs> Patrick Pemberton. It's a good like, job, you know, yeah. I uh, can see that. Like a company that makes like weird like tea cakes. Like Patrick Pemberton's tea cakes. Are... I'm, I'm, I'm imagining a, a, wit, a butler coming in and asking for Lord Patrick Pemberton. <laughs> I don't know what if that was an accent the, or something. The, but, uh, that was like yeah, was, you were you were yeah, getting your game there towards the end, in between, I guess. Yeah. So, Ala Palenze is going to be playing their backup goalkeeper in leg one, correct, Pablo? Both. I think yeah, he got no, like a six, suspended. He got six games. Six games. Oh yeah. wow! Oh, okay. Apparently they were, they, they were stabbing each other or something like that. So they'll, six they'll be games. They'll be that back. Sounds like more than a fracas. They'll be back for the Club World Cup uh, quarterfinals. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Uh, okay, actual DC United talk. The uh, lineup seems pretty oh, set. In, lineup seems pretty set in stone, right? We got that uh, Bill Hamid character in goal. Sean Franklin, Steve Birnbaum, if he's healthy. Uh, Bobby Boswell and Taylor Kemp across the back line. Rolf and Delion on the flanks. Kitchen and Halsty or Arno in the middle. We'll discuss that later. And then Pontius is Spindle up top. It all. It's it's largely been dictated by injuries, right? Uh, Luis Silva hasn't appeared in preseason the way they were hoping. He's had some nagging muscle injuries that have kind of been related to his uh, hamstring strain that ended his season, and the uh, and also uh, with uh, Halsty in particular, he hasn't he wasn't able to play the last preseason game, and and that meant Arno was in the lineup. So I think we'll see something that looks very similar to the lineup that ended last season. Yeah, I mean, this Alaholense team was a semifinalist in the CONCACAF Champions League last year. So D.C. did catch a bit of a break. I shouldn't say caught a break because they earned it, but they caught a break avoiding a Mexican team. But by no means is this going to be an easy tie. MLS teams generally do not do well in Costa Rica. And I think that especially because the Costa Rican season is well underway and we haven't started the MLS season and we might not start it, uh, you can reasonably expect that a, a draw would be an excellent result and even a one-goal loss wouldn't, wouldn't be killer, especially with the second leg coming up in a potentially frigid D.C. climate. Right. It's, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting. I, the, I'll go on my uh, soapbox a little bit. It's still find it rather annoying that this competition is staged in such a way that just hands a massive disadvantage to MLS teams where they're com- coming off an off season. Uh, they, you know, say like the galaxy were in this tournament, they'd be in this, they'd be playing the knockout stage in this weird period where they don't have Landon Donovan because he retired, but they haven't gotten his replacement yet because he's arriving in July. The whole timing of the tournament uh, is 
it, you know, it being at the beginning of the season before MLS teams find their legs, it's, I don't know, it, it kind of takes away from the integrity of the competition. But is that is that something that's fixable, or is that something that you just have to throw your hands up and say, well, that's just because of the way the MLS schedule is set up? It's yeah, a, I mean, it's I don't, a, I don't, you're, you're essentially, people, I, I'm with you on this, obviously, but people who complain about this, I mean, is is the entire region supposed to, run, you know, run around MLS's weird schedule it doesn't make any I, sense I, I think it's uh you know do you have it, a suggestion for how they could fix this I, yeah I, you're I, really good at calling out problems but unless you have solutions again yeah, i have why are you such a negative nancy my name is not nancy <laughs> uh, i have a, i have a point to make and then two possible solutions one is you know when you get to the knockout stage you know the the mls teams are always there's always two or three or four in the knockout stage they present a large portion of the teams that have a legitimate chance of winning this competition in theory uh you know to they are the outlier but they're a substantial outlier you know this is it's league mx and mls are by far the two biggest leagues in the region and to alter the competition to accommodate one of that two seems completely reasonable i mean they already have altered the competition to accommodate them and that is true that they don't Meet each other, you know. But. Yeah, I, the two solutions, I think they could shorten the tournament to an extent and ha- kind of have it back to the closer the way it was when you know, maybe you could fit the entire thing into the fall and just have a more limited number of games. There's Also, I think you could just reverse it because these Central American teams and, and Liga MX, they operate on the split-season schedule. They have two separate seasons. They're not really... They're coming out of a mini break either way. I don't think it really makes much of a difference when it's staged for them. Whereas the way it's staged now for MLS is absolutely crippling. Thomas Floyd. Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's been a long time since we used that. Yeah, I actually got caught off guard. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good sound. (laughs) Missed that. The first episode that you introduced that, you used it every five minutes. And since then, it's been really sporadic we just haven't heard much from the message board i i, I tried to or the soundboard go home <laughs> is that is that what benny's going to say when players show up to the locker room the day the strike starts nope no what is he gonna say and it takes over the rat's body <laughs> cocaine habits <laughs> killing me this time of year <laughs> I feel like we should explain the cocaine habit one, or should we just oh, really? Or should we just let that linger in its out of context glory? Hey, let me ask you something. <laughs> Zombies. The problem is that we have a clip of Ben Olsen saying, "Hey, let me ask you something," but <laughs> there's not actually a question on the soundboard, so I can't. <laughs> I don't know. We gotta uh, get that in there. Yeah, um, let's let me patch a, a call through here. Uh, four six nine. You're on open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Uh, how can I help you? I owe you. Oh, Javier! Javier in Dallas joins us. Uh, quick refresher on our last episode. <laughs> Javier called in for some car advice. Uh, I believe a, a rough idle problem with his uh, Toyota. Uh, we di- we diagnosed it over the phone. Javier, has uh, the problem been resolved? Uh, yes, as far as I can tell. Uh, wasn't able to reproduce the problem when it mattered, but uh, cleaned everything, and the car is fully operational, as far as I can tell. That'll be two hundred dollars, please. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna DM you my PayPal information. Now, Pablo actually said last week that he would work on your car for free. I never said that, Thomas. I I I don't pay attention when Pablo starts talking. Well, he did say. <laughs> I I can uh, I can confirm that. Yeah. Javier, uh, what, what's going on? Uh, I had a uh, I had a question, another question for you, a vehicle question. Oh Jesus Christ! All right, go ahead. <laughs> the precedent has been this set. Is be the, uh, <laughs> this is going to be the Javier quizzes Pablo segment. Go, go, uh, go ahead. I bring an auto. I bring an automotive question to you, and you answer. Yes. Okay. All right. That's <laughs> seems like a really beneficial segment for you. <laughs> uh, go, go for it. Okay. Can you explain what a harmonic balancer is? 
Uh, I mean, I can. <laughs> Do I need to? <laughs> It's uh, there's a, it's a it's a dampening device in the front of your motor, that you know obviously see this is going to take a while. It, it it basically it's a vibration dampener for, you know obviously inside your motor you have lots of little explosions that drive the piston crankshaft all that kind of stuff that create vibrations. There's a dampener on the end of the crankshaft, um, or balancer whatever you want to call it that uh, sort of dissipates those vibrations, you know, so you don't feel them when you drive down the road, feel them in your steer, uh, steering wheel, et cetera. This is enthralling sweeps-level radio right now. Well, I think, la- I think last week Javier actually had a problem with his car. This now he's w- just This week he's me. just trying to stump you. Maybe yeah. he doesn't believe that you're actually a mechanic. Javier, and any other, I mean, do you want to, come on, let's make these questions harder. Okay. What is a solenoid? Solenoid, it's uh, like an electrical device. You know, you power it. It's got a coil. And then, you know, it's an electrical device, uh, device to achieve a mechanical action. Fuel injector is a solenoid. You know, there's a coil wrapped around a pintle that opens and closes when the coil energizes. C- come on, man. Anything else? Are we going to go for one last one? Yeah. <laughs> Final Jeopardy. Okay. Um, let me think of one. What does the 40 stand for in GT40? Uh, 40, oh, the, like the Ford GT40? Uh, hold yes, on a second, let me get my celebratory sound effects ready here. Uh, 40 inches off the ground, that car is. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, that was correct, Did you right? use the internet? Anybody? I didn't use it, no. Tell them. Did okay. I use the internet once during I didn't. that? I mean, I don't think so. I thought maybe he was at the end, but he was just going to the soundboard. So he could prompt his own correct answer sound effect. I'm sorry. I just nodded off for a second, so I I can't really. I think, Javier, the lesson here is if you ask me questions about soccer, yeah, then I wouldn't know what I was talking about. But you're asking me questions about automotive repair. So, Uh, Javier, do we get to ask you a question now? Uh Uh-oh. What am I an expert in, though? Uh, traffic, like traffic patterns yeah. and stuff? traffic patterns. Okay. But can we just ask you, like, a personal question? <laughs> oh, okay. Anybody anybody got anything? Cause I oh, don't. well, okay, how about this? Uh, a couple weeks I ago... radio show. A couple weeks ago, we all offered you our own love advice. Have you taken oh, any yeah. of it so far? Uh, can you remind me what the love advice was? Yeah. Well, I guess that answers our question. Did I put myself? Did I put myself out there? That was uh, one yeah, of them. That was one of them. They did yeah. call an internet radio show recently. <laughs> cool. That's Lord knows women love that. You know. Yeah, I think in terms of finding match matchmaking on a, on a line, that uh, open wide for some soccer is right up there with like OK Cupid. Uh, Javier. Uh, uh, as always, it's been a real pleasure. Um, come back with some harder questions next time if you'd like, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Bye now. Bye. All right. those, I tell you what, those calls just get weirder and weirder every week. All right, I, All right. I'm going to throw some soccer trivia at you. I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> There's no way you'll get this right. <laughs> okay. But I, th- this came up randomly uh, while I was doing some MLS preview coverage, and I thought it kind of interesting factoid. So several MLS coaches have played for D.C. United. There's Ben Olsen. There is Jesse Marsh. There's Greg Vanny. There is Pecky and Nelson. They're coaching. A couple MLS current MLS coaches have also had relatives play for D.C. United. Do you More know than who they one are? has? Two. One had his son play for D.C. United. Name all the people again. Wait, one, Jesse one, Marsh, Ben Olsen. One current MLS coach had their son play for D.C. United. And one had his brother play for D.C. United. And spoiler alert, the two relatives I'm referring to played a combined zero games for D.C., <laughs> but they were on the team. <laughs> um, uh, Kenny Arena. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Uh, You'll never get the other one. Uh Okay, go ahead. Jeff Curtin played for DC United. Interesting. Jim Curtin's son? That's 
well, brother, I mean, brother. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry, um, so I do a youth development deal. That that randomly came up while I was uh, doing research for my Philadelphia Union season preview. I'm writing. That's. Uh, I, it, I wish I had the Thomas Floyd sound effect <laughs> ready right now because. So when you said you wanted to get some soccer trivia, that that factoid just came to mind. I'm proud oh, of. Well, I'm uh, not sure if there was some good stuff. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how I feel about the new Javier in Dallas niche that he's trying to fill. Yeah, you know, before Javier, was, if, you're, if you're listening, and sometimes I wonder whether you actually even listen to the podcast or not. Uh, we miss the songs. Uh, do you, I mean, do you guys miss? The, I miss the songs. Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm trying to get used to it, and I'm not sure if I'm ever going to completely understand why he's gone away from this medium to car talk we gotta we gotta meet javier at some point um you were in dallas if that was if this no, was it wasn't a, a, oh, well, sort I, of yeah yeah all right you're but, in texas back to dc united let's just let's just end the podcast so let's just wrap this dc united talk up. are we gonna pick the first leg predictions uh first leg um i'm gonna say alahuelense takes it two to one that was my exact prediction fine i'll go one one then <laughs> Seth is the uh, optimist of the bunch. S- second leg. Optimist or contrarian. Second leg. So I think DC United uh, wins 1-0. Uh, yeah, that's... DC United wins 3-0 on forfeit after it snows <laughs> and Co- and Ahalense refuses to come. All right, let's go to the semifinals. Uh, I'm going to say t- a pair of 3-0 losses because they forfeited both games <laughs> to Pachuca. Yes. <laughs> Mark it down. Which will actually give them a better goal differential than the Sounders the last time they were in CCS. <laughs> oh god, I forgot about that. That was that so was cool. the uh, that was the downfall of Jimmy Triore. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else, uh, Thomas? You want to talk about? Uh, I'm trying to think of more MLS coach siblings I could bring <laughs> up, but I'm coming up empty. Seth, you this might be our shortest episode ever. Not really. We're at 54 minutes. 54 minutes. It's pretty good. We. The recorded episodes back in the day were were brisker. Yeah, I'm sure our listeners miss those. <laughs> All um, right, we're gonna wrap it up. Oh, are we? Put the music. Put the music on. We can't just Pablo, Put the music. Put the wrap on. up music on. There it is. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Uh, and thanks to Jeff Carlisle again. And thanks to Jeff Carlisle, uh, legitimate journalist that makes us look like legitimate journalists.